Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Alexander, and unfortunately, my co-host, Alicia Edwards, won't be joining us today, but that's okay. You know, life happens sometimes and things come up. And you know what? We roll with it because that's just the kind of show we are. We have such an incredible show in store for you all today. I love learning about so many uh, amazing things that are happening in acapella and it's so important that we don't just focus on things happening here in the States. We like to branch out and discover all of the amazing, incredible things happening outside of the country as well as the people who are putting on such incredible events, who are part of such wonderful organizations and boy do we have quite the guest for you today. We are speaking with the Artistic Director of Vocal Asia Festival out of Taiwan, we are speaking with Christine Leo. And Christine, how are you doing today? Hello, everyone. This is Christine. It is so great to be speaking with you. I'm so excited for the chance to learn. I'm so happy to be here, too. Great, great. Man, I feel like I have just digested so much acapella music from YouTube, of course, out of Asia. And I'm just like, man, I don't know nearly as enough as I need to. So I need to speak with someone. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, it's really another world. Oh, yeah. It's so incredible. I'm like, I love the things you guys are doing. And I'm just like man let's see what's going on over there so we're going to jump right into this and for our listeners out there who might not be familiar with you and it's great it's also important that we mention not only as christine the artistic director of vocal asia festival she is also the alto and music director of vocal novo a really incredible group that we're also going to be discussing so i want to point that out before we get started but christine for our listeners can you share with us your background in music and how you first got involved okay i started learning the piano in kindergarten and my parents they actually met in college choir so there's always been singing in in the family and I've been singing school choirs and when I went to the States to study in high school I joined an acapella group on campus Oh, cool. So that's actually my first experience in singing a cappella. Can I ask where in the States did you study? It's in a town called Natick in Massachusetts. It's close to Boston. It's like 40 minute drive oh, from okay. Boston. So- and when I went to college, I also wanted to join an a cappella group. But instead of joining one, I actually founded one wow. because I wanted to sing Mandarin pop. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, so I founded a group called the Troublemakers at Northwestern University. Great name. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I started arranging, actually. Okay. I'm so curious, just to back up a little bit, because you mentioned that your parents come from a music background. Was there an expectation that you were going to be involved in music no matter what? Was that just not an, an option of, you know, you choosing to be involved with music? Yeah, actually, my mom told my first piano teacher she told her I'm not gonna send my daughter to a music school I don't want her to become a professional musician so you know you just let her just make sure Mm. she's happy when she learns Mm. how to play the piano and I think because I was so happy about playing the piano so it kind of actually made me go into this music direction right so it's 
kind of like the opposite what my mom so was your first love in that case was it piano or did you feel closer like more connected to singing and vocals and things like that did you have a preference i think they both are okay yeah i think singing or playing the piano is always something i would go to if i'm i feel stressed doing the school homework or you know when i'm not feeling right. happy <laughs> well that's so cool and then yeah. I, I love it that you know we are, we're also speaking with a, a founder of a college group that's something that we love finding out about our guests is you know their involvement in collegiate acapella overall you know yeah. with bringing that kind of yeah. style and focus because you mentioned a particular style that you wanted the group to focus on which i don't know a lot of people they go into a group and they're thinking hey i want to do this particular style or whatever were there any challenges with trying to bring a specific, you know, genre within acapella to, you know, a college campus and new group and things like that? I, th I think in the beginning, I was afraid mm -hmm. about starting a new group because I didn't know how many people would come audition, but it actually came out fine. Right. And then comes a challenge that there's not enough Mandarin pop acapella arrangements because at that time acapella is still I think non-existent in Chinese speaking countries so I had to do everything myself but fortunately I was a music composition major oh so wow. <laughs> I feel comfortable you know writing mm -hmm. notes down on staff paper but it's a different genre mm -hmm. really from what you learn as a music composition major. Right, I bet, yeah. And that's so crazy with especially Mandarin pop. As you kind of built that group and started finding people, was it easy to kind of convince them to kind of go along with this idea of Mandarin pop? Because like when we talk about acapella, you know, it's so easy just to be, hey, it's acapella, you sing without instruments, but no, it's so much more depth to it. It's more like there's so many subsets within it. And so, you know, you have to find people who are willing to be flexible, and willing to try new things. Did you find the people that were involved with the troublemakers, were they accepting of trying Mandarin pop? Yeah, well, fortunately, uh, Northwestern is a big school and there are just, there are different Asian American student clubs. So we actually didn't have so much trouble in terms of finding singers that wanted to sing Mandarin pop as well. And it was actually a, a thing in the Chinese American or Taiwanese American student clubs to follow Mandarin pop and sing. Oh, great. That's awesome. That's yeah. perfect. I just want to mention, I got the idea from this Asian American acapella group from the Penn State or like mm -hmm. a, a school in Pennsylvania. It's a group called Penyo, which means friends in, in Chinese. And they, they sing Mandarin pop. It's a group also focused on Mandarin pop. So I got the idea from them mm -hmm. to start one at Northwestern. Oh, that's great. I love it how they kind of branched out like that, man. Yeah. There's so many yeah. cool groups out over at like Penn State and Penn, the other UPenn and things like that. So yeah, um, I think that's UPenn. UPenn? Okay. Yeah, yeah I know there's some, sometimes yeah. like my mind gets confused. I'm like, where is this group at? And you know, cause there's so many cool groups. Right. That's so awesome though, just to kind of hear about that story and that kind of journey you were on there. I wonder now if we can kind of talk a little bit about your role with Vocal Asia, and we're going to get to so much more about your background 
background and singing and we have so much more we want to discuss there but i'm going to start with vocal asia now so you are the artistic director of vocal asia festival which is this incredible organization an incredible festival that takes place based in taiwan and you know it's coming up the event is coming up and so we wanted to speak with someone who's really entrenched in everything going on there but can you tell us about your role as the artistic director you know what do your daily weekly responsibilities look like as you all plan the event and carry out the festival yeah well so basically what i do is i design the workshops the workshop schedules like who to invite what topic we should present to the audience in asia and oh to do that i also visit different acapella festivals so I've been to Denmark, Sweden, Germany, Austria, the States, of course, just to see what people are doing, what's the a new thing that's happening in this region, and to see if there's something interesting and something that's valuable for the singers to learn or to get to know it in Asia. Can I just say that you probably are living the dream for a lot of acapella fans out there where you get to travel just <laughs> yes. to experience festivals? I would love to do that full time. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, I'm really fortunate. I'm very mm -hmm. grateful. And So as you're traveling these different festivals and events and you're really you're learning and you're, you're kind of getting educated on all the amazing things happening, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for as you attend these events? Is it a matter of, you know, I'm going to attend these events and look at their work? shops and see what they're bringing or how they're doing their entertainment aspect of the show. What specifically do you like to look for as you're attending these events? Well, I think, of course, to sing acapella, the most important thing is pitch and rhythm. So technical workshop, like workshop to improve your skill as a better singer, a better ensemble singer. But at the same time, I also, I like to focus on workshops that brings the culture of the region. Like what's special in Denmark, what's special in Germany, what's unique in the States and things that we don't usually experience. That's also something I'm looking for. And at the same time, I'm also trying to promote this concept in Asia because there's so many different cultures and it's so different from the other countries in other parts of the world. And I think the groups, the singers here should also dig back into their culture and mix their culture with acapella music. Agreed. And I love that you brought up the idea of culture with these events, because as you're talking about different events and you're, you're thinking about the regionality of all, everything that's going on, I think that's what really makes an event what it is. It's just, you know, when you look at the location and you look at the people who really bring an event to life you really want to see what's different about it. and I think it starts with culture at the end of the day what can they do differently and I'm, I'm so curious as someone who's been to you as you mentioned like Denmark and the States and all these different things are there any memories that stand out of something you've seen at an event that you just loved and like oh I loved going to that event because they just did something so different than what you've seen before yeah, I particularly like the August Vocal Festival in Denmark. I don't know if you've heard of it. It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a three-day or four-day festival with concerts, workshops, competitions. But, you know, these are just the structures. But when you're in the festival, you just feel so much 
great energy and the love of vocal music and you know it I, I don't know how to describe it and there's so much positive energy too I think that the Danish people they're really really good at it being positive and so much love and just so much creativity too a lot of innovative ideas that they are trying to develop it's really great idea I think every time I leave the festival I was in tears like I don't want to go back to the real world. <laughs> oh, man, I've been there before. I know exactly what you mean. And that's why Vocal Asia, we are having a collaboration with Oho's Vocal Festival so okay. that we exchange ideas mm -hmm. and we would probably send groups from our own region to each other's festival and yeah just to create more exchange that is so cool so is that i guess is that part of the planning process you're, you're mentioning collaborating with the vocal festival there is it a matter of as you're planning the show and you're planning the event you guys are regularly talking about you know how can we work yeah exactly so for example this okay. year in our workshop schedule a list mm -hmm. of instructors a lot of them are from the Oahu's vocal festival cool wow so how big is the the yeah. staff at vocal asia how, how many people are involved behind the scenes would you say i guess estimate i think five or six full-time okay and i think part-time would be two or three okay and i didn't ask do you do this part-time or full-time with vocal asia for your i role? do this part-time otherwise i wouldn't be able to sing in my group. <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> yeah. awesome so so i want to back up a little bit because you you started bringing up this idea of culture with uh, events and festivals and you talked a lot about the different cultural aspect that you get when you go to all these other festivals i really want to bring that into vocal asia here so i am so excited to have you on as our guest today for mm -hmm. so many reasons but one being that we've only briefly spoken with a few guests about their exposure to acapella in Asia. And I love it that we finally have someone who's truly working to build both the community and the art of acapella there, which is so important. And for starters, we know that all other types of music, acapella, as we mentioned, has so many different subsets. For you, if you could share with us, you know, what makes acapella music in Asia unique? in your opinion? Tough question. Or I guess what makes it different than what you've seen as you travel to these other festivals? What is something that just makes it stand out? To be honest, I think uh, a lot of, I would say the majority group, acapella groups, still sings pop songs. And I, I guess when they sing pop songs, there's not so, not so much different than the acapella groups I see in other parts of the world. But what's interesting is some groups, they incorporate their own culture into their songs. For example, they imitate their traditional music, the sound of the instruments in there, or they arrange songs in the pentatonic, not the group, but the scale, pentatonic scale, or they harmonize it in a traditional way. I think that that is what makes the Asian acapella seem more interesting. And also, uh, there are a lot mm -hmm. of Aboriginal cultures as well. And okay. the energy of the song is just 
So very different from the general pop music we listen to. Right. And I'm not as familiar with, I guess, mainstream Asian pop music and things of that sort. But like I said, I have taken some time to listen to a few different groups and different music and things like that. And I, I definitely get what you're saying, because I get a feeling as I listen to music, vocal music out of Asia, that there's a lot of sentiment behind it. There's a lot of uh, sincerity. There's a lot of different emotions that you don't always get from, you know, top 40 pop music. And like you said, there, it has that feeling to it that's just like it's deeper than probably what you're getting at the surface. So I, I think I'm understanding at least partially what you're saying in terms of the approach and the focus for yeah. sure. And I picked that up even as I've listened to some, of, not some, but to a lot of Vocal Novo's tracks. I think that you guys great. do such a great job of incorporating that as well, which is really cool. Great. Thank you. <laughs> of course. You're a very good listener. <laughs> I, I try to be. <laughs> I think it's important in my position to listen more than I talk. So something else I want to mention, I think even for many international fans of Asian acapella groups, there's still that we're unaware of in terms of the art and culture of the genre, the style, that type of music. What are some things that may surprise, in your opinion, of course, the casual or new fans about acapella music in Asia? Or like, what are some things in general you like for people to know or understand about vocal music within Asia? Yeah, I think the acapella scene grew significantly bigger when Pitch Perfect mm. and the sing-off came uh -huh. to the world. And I think a lot of people started to see acapella as yeah. like a circus mm -hmm. act. If you don't, if you know what I mean, like, oh, cool, this guy can do a, a drum sound. Oh, cool, this guy can do a trumpet sound. Like it's a circus, but then they lose, but they don't get to, they don't get to hear like how the group creates harmony and how difficult it is to sing a jazz chord or how they blend or oh wow this is a really cool arrangement like a, in the more artistic level but i think it, it's a job we vocal asia we have to do is to tell all these people hey it's more than just imitating instruments there's more than that and i i hope one day we, we can get to that next level you know right and it sounds like even in Asia and in, in the Asian acapella community there's still that battle of how do you keep from making acapella too gimmicky and as you're saying too much of a circus act for sure yeah I think gimmicky is a very yeah yeah we, I'm like we discussed the idea of acapella being gimmicky quite a bit on the show which I think it's important now to understand that hey it's the same thing is happening in every other part of the world that's trying to do acapella they're trying to make it this credible artistic form and present it to people in a way that, like you said, it really gets to the core of there's so much more complexity to it, whether it be the harmonies and the jazz. And there's so much that groups really just don't show up and are able just to harmonize and have an arrangement in 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against imitating instruments. For example, uh, a couple of years ago, we invited Naturally Seven. They are great at imitating instruments, but at the same time, just they're their voices blend so well. <laughs> I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. And their groove is after. Yeah. And there's so much more than just imitating new instruments. 
Yeah, there's so much more that goes on there for sure. And I'm curious about you. I, I love trying to figure this out about guests, but in terms of your preference when it comes to acapella, are you someone who's more, would you consider yourself more of a purist when it comes to acapella? Do you like the, the more traditional approach to acapella with minimal effects and minimal, I guess, techniques and things like that? Or do you like where acapella is growing to with the evolution of incorporating different sounds and, you know, the really complex beatboxing and really complex harmonies and things like that where do you fall well as a promoter i think they both are great i think they push music in a different direction but they're pushing the development of the music i think it's great but personally yes i'm a purist <laughs> i mean recently my group Volcanova. I, I mean we mm -hmm. will talk about it probably later but recently we did a project to make recordings oh, okay. in a chapel so rather than go to a studio and record one track by a track we would stand together and sing together feel the acoustic and record right there at the moment it's something that that's been done for a long time in the u.s and europe but not so many acapella groups do that in taiwan and that's why i want to do it i want to show people there acapella is not just that it can be this is acapella too right right and i love that such a great point so with that we are going to take our first break listeners but we are going to continue speaking with christine leo from uh vocal asia festival out in taiwan so you definitely want to come back and continue listening to that conversation and we're going to pick it up right after this commercial break what's the barbershop seventh hour it's the only place to find rare and unreleased barbershop music, along with favorites of today and yesterday. Jeremy Gover works Govertime to put each week's hour together, and they're amazing. Find the show every Thursday at 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, and again Saturdays at 7 p.m. London time, 11 a.m. West, and one more time Mondays at 12 noon Tokyo time. That's Sunday night in the States. With ringing chords for days, you won't want to miss it. 欢迎回到Tacapella which means welcome back to Talk Capella. I love that. This is why we have such incredible guests that always surprise us. And Christine, of course, is filled with so many talents, and I love it. That's right. You just heard it. We have been speaking with Christine Leo from Vocal Asia Festival. She's the artistic director of the festival, as well as the alto and music director of Vocal Novo. And I know that I have been just kind of hinting that we're going to get to Vocal Novo, and we're going to do that with this second segment. But we have a few more questions about Vocal Asia Festival because there's so much going on. We want to make sure our listeners are well informed. So first off, with Vocal Asia Festival, the workshop is August 14th through the 15th, which is coming up soon. And then there's also a cloud gala, which takes place on August the 21st. There's still time. If you're not signed up, as Christine was telling me, you can still attend this event. You just write an email to Vocal Asia Festival, and we're going to get all the details at the end of the show. But I want to make sure that we start the show by making sure you all know you can still attend the festival. Let's talk a little bit more about Vocal Asia because I was looking at the Vocal Asia website and part of the bio mentioned that the resources within Asia were finally integrated as Vocal Asia was established. And it just made me think about so much. And one of the questions that came to mind is what can you share with us regarding the efforts to promote and grow acapella in Asia before the festival? Because a Vocal Asia festival, it's just huge thing that takes place now but that wasn't always the case so what was it like just kind of getting everything put together before the festival you know yeah so before vocal asia started 
I think each country just have their own acapella organization trying to promote acapella in their own country. I think Japan has like、uh, a group that's 50 years running. And I think Hong Kong started 30 years ago and Taiwan started 20 years ago. But at that time, everyone just doing their own thing. And one day, the chairwoman of Vocal Asia just started thinking, hey, why don't we try to do something together? We would invite instructors. And then we can help this community to grow and to improve. And so that's how Vocal Asia started. But then we thought about doing a festival. Although Vocal Asia is based in Taiwan, we didn't want to keep the festival to ourselves in Taiwan.、Okay. We want every country to benefit from having a festival in their own country. So, Vocal Asia Festival is actually a traveling festival. Every year we would go to a、wow. different country, a different region.、Yeah. That is so cool. So, it, it's fun. We have friends from all different countries in Asia and we meet every time, every year. That is awesome. Do you have a favorite location that it's taken place outside of Taiwan? Actually, in 2019, I think that was my favorite location. It was in Kagawa, Ooh, Japan,、okay. and it was by the ocean. And in inland, so our office has this huge window looking into the harbor and then the ocean, and then just a little further, you will see all different islands. Emerging from the horizon, it's just so beautiful. And that year we had the Swingle Singers, and they're just fantastic teachers, singers, friends, and it was just so much fun. And it was a really great energy. And of course, Japan was a very, very nice host. And their food was good, and people are so nice. Everything was great. Yeah, I had the benefit and the fortune to travel to Japan for the very first time two years ago, and I absolutely love the place. And I completely agree. The people are so nice and friendly there, and the food's incredible. Oh man, I wish I could have just stayed there and eaten food for just、yeah. like two weeks straight. I would, <laughs> I would have been happy just doing that if I was sitting in a hotel. Just bring me all the food. That was so great. In Japan, Japan I flew into Tokyo. And then I traveled up a little bit up north. And like I said, I butcher names so terribly. There was this village up north that I traveled by train. What was it? It started with an S. I believe it was, like I said, I'm butchering. It was like Sh- Shiri Zhao or something. It was like a fox village. Like I said, I'm, I'm terrible at names, but there was this amazing fox village up north that I got to go see. And then a Kyoto as well.、Mm, oh, I love Kyoto. Yeah. And so yeah. that was really cool to go just experience those places.、Mm-hmm. So one day I'll be going back for sure. Yes, and you have to come to Vocal Asia Festival. That it, that is, yeah. I'm adding it to my list. The next time I'm there, I'm planning my trip around the Vocal Asia Festival next time. Yeah. <laughs> so back to what you were talking about in terms of it growing the efforts of acapella in Asia with trying to bring a festival, and all these other countries are doing their own takes on festival and things like that. Was there ever like a turning point that you were? Able to like realize that okay, we have something with this festival. Or we there was a point where you realized, or that the team at Vocal Asia realized, hey, we needed this festival in Taiwan. Was there like a certain point where that just came to fruition and understood? Yeah, it was actually back in 2008. I went to Sweden to participate the Real Group Festival, and it was my first ever festival, and I was just so overwhelmed by all the knowledge, all the inspiration, and all the friendships, and just 
everything from that festival. And then I came back to Taiwan and I told my mother and I told just different people saying we have to have such a festival in Taiwan or Asia, I don't know, <laughs> just here in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And we have to, those acapella singers to, to, to get them together and to feel what I felt there. And so I think that was the planting seed or the <laughs> beginning idea of the Vocal Asia Festival. And that's so important because I think that's where a lot of things take place is there's a desire. Someone has that desire to bring something, as you mentioned, ex that they've experienced and they just want to share. And I love that about the community. It's like everyone just wants to share things that they've experienced or heard or seen, which is great. A as you mentioned, traditionally, Vocal Asia Festival is a traveling event, which takes place in all these different locations. But for the very first time in the event's history, Vocal Asia Festival is going virtual. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think everyone is going virtual in these two years, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But we try to overcome the difficulties and use that as a advantage. So we have a lot of instructors from overseas to share their mm -hmm. knowledge to share their like their expertise yeah their knowledge and expertise. Knowledge. yeah so as you guys were planning for this virtual event were there any worries or concerns about how to transition to this new format given that you know the event you know has been just in person for so many years yeah the original vocalera festival usually lasts for three to four days with workshops and concerts and when we decided to turn it to virtual actually we had had a physical festival planned because earlier this year Taiwan was pretty safe so we planned for the physical workshop and we were so excited to announce all this new workshop topics that we want people to to get to know oh man uh, and then suddenly yeah. we we had a covid outbreak and then in a very short notice we we turned everything virtual and we actually had to drop some topics because it's not suitable to teach certain things online. So that was a very unfortunate, yeah. Right, right. I'm sure it's nothing that you guys wanted to do. And we've, we've spoken with a lot of guests about the things that come with acapella that, as you mentioned, that you can do in person. And then there's a lot that you can, of course, transition to online. But I think with acapella, there's so much, whether you're learning or enjoying a performance, there's still so much that can be felt there that you just... Like I said, whether you can still, of course, try and, I guess, get a feeling through a computer screen, of course. But I totally get what you're saying that there's just some things that you just can't substitute for being in yeah. person. I mean, we have yeah. some workshops that we just wanted to people sing to sing together. Oh, OK. And just have fun, mm -hmm. you know, have fun singing together and experience for people who never sung a cappella before, mm -hmm. you know, for them to experience what's what's it like to right. singing a cappella. So we had to drop that yeah, because you can't really. Right. There'd be a little bit of a delay. It would be interesting. Yeah. So maybe we can put our yeah. listeners minds at ease, even with, you know, having to kind of do without certain aspects of the 
event. This year's event is broken up into two categories. You have a, a series of online workshops and you also have the Cloud Gala, as you mentioned. You know, what can you tell us about both events and what should attendees expect from both of those types of events? Yeah. For the workshops, the two-day workshop, each day we have five sessions and we have instructors coming from all over the world and also teachers from Asia right. as well. Oh, Sharon, oh yeah, of I'm course. Sure We've heard know. of him. Yeah. And oh, nice. Accent. And we have the Danish crowd, Jesper Holm, Christopher Torning, Tina Fritz-Ronsveil. And also we have body percussion workshop too from a percussionist in Germany, Gabriel Hahn. Yeah. And also a solo interpretation workshop by a Taiwanese singer in yeah, Wen Hui Tsai. And also a vocal jazz workshop as well. Wow. So a lot of really cool programs. And I'm yeah. also hearing a lot of former guests of Tacapella are going to be in attendance. That's really cool. Great. Um, yeah. And then for the Cloud Gala, mm -hmm. as you know, because of the pandemic, we can't really see each other. What I said earlier, Vocal Asia Festival is a place that the friends get to see each other every year. So this year we try to turn this cloud gala into something they can see each other online. So we would not only show their music videos, but we also ask them to record a message, tell everybody how they're doing and what they did during the pandemic and what they want to share, what they want to tell to their friends that they're not able to, to meet like how they're doing and what their plans for the future. So so with the gala, it's kind of like a video collage almost of various things, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is really cool. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. That's great. We also have videos from the Aarhus Vocal Festival that I mentioned earlier, and also a festival from the States, which is also our collaborating festival. It's called Voice Jam from Arkansas. Oh, wow. Okay. So what, yeah. what are you most excited about in terms of this year's virtual festival? Are there anything, I guess, new that might be coming up that might have been different from past years? Are there any headlining acts that you've just been dying to see? What's, what gets you excited about this year's event? <laughs> to be honest, I'm not excited. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you, you, you've worked so much mm -hmm. on it. And then you, somehow you, you don't see this as a new person that gets excited. I don't know if that I'm making sense, but, and I, I don't know if you, you know what I mean, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I get it. You put a lot of work into it. And so it's different for you, for sure. Everything in the festival is right. exciting. Right. At the end of the day, these, yeah. this is everything you've been working to put on. So it's just like a culmination of things. There's no one particular thing. I yeah. get I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I hope to see some participants from the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so, too. I, I really hope that you all get such an influx of people that are coming from all over. Because as you mentioned, that's how things spread. That's how people get further interested. And so awesome. That is so cool. We are so excited for Vocal Asia Festival. I I'm expecting great things from it. I know it's going to be a great event. And like I said, I can't wait till the day I get to attend the event. With the remaining part of our show, though, I think it's only important that we focus on the other side of Christine's just involvement with acapella. And that is with her amazing group called Voco Novo. With them, they were founded in 2009. You all were founded in Taiwan. And you all have a major focus on pop music and vocal jazz. And you all have been the recipients of like so many countless awards. 
So just to kind of start, how long have you been with the group? And also what kind of growth or evolution have you seen within yourself or Vocal Novo as a whole during your time with the group? Yeah. I actually started the group in 2009. Wow. Yeah, that's when I moved back to Taiwan. And at that time, yeah, I think I can totally talk about the development of how, how the group changes. In the beginning, when Taiwan didn't have so many groups, I wanted to... Hmm, I don't want it to sound bad, but in the beginning, there's not so many groups in Taiwan. Okay. So a lot of them are amateur singers. And what I wanted to do is to create a group that can sing some really, really beautiful arrangements, but difficult. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, like like some of the vocal jazz stuff. It's so cool, you know, with all these harmonies and the the groove. And but no one, almost no one, were able to sing that back then. So when I started the group, I wanted to do uh, vocal jazz and also to to do some original music. Like no one was really doing original music at that time. Yeah. And then uh, a couple years later, more more and more groups started to emerge, and you know they sound great. And then I feel like okay, there are already enough good groups. And then that's when I started to dig into the culture. That I was talking about. So we collaborated with an organization that they would provide us ancient Chinese poems, and then we would write music to it and make arrangement to it. And it was just—it was a really fascinating experience for me because mm -hmm. I'm not a person that loves reading. I never really liked to read. No Harry Potter, not even you know Lord of the Rings. You know all these popular ones. So. Not to mention, you know, all these Chinese ancient poems. They're written in this Shakespeare's, you know, old language. But during the process of composing and arranging the poem, you really have to get into what the poem is talking about. And the Chinese ancient poems they express a lot of feelings through the words, and also they. They also try to, you know, paint a picture or an image with words. So what I did was use music to express feelings, but at the same right. time, I use music. Try I try to use music to paint a picture. So, for example, there was this poem talking about the Milky Way, and so in the arrangement, I try to. I mean, of course, it, it's. It's very subjective. Like that's how I started this arrangement. I tried to paint a Milky Way through, you know, music notes. Yeah, but then how the listeners perceive that's another story. But I mean, that's where the inspiration come from. <laughs> right, that's got to be different for them. Yeah, and that's so I, I love that. That's so innovative. I don't think I've heard of a, a group kind of drawing inspiration from ancient poetry and in, in that sense, or having that focus in terms of song selection, really working that into arrangements. How do you all bring that? So you say you have you know a piece of poetry that you want to compose into a song and arrange into. To a song, and you guys have done all of that in rehearsals. How do you go about bringing that to life in terms of a live performance? Because I have, I feel like, even outside of just the arrangement of doing something like that, the performance has to be a little bit different than just your regular pop standard. At the end of the day, yeah, I think maybe I don't know if it's because I came from a classical music background. So sometimes I ask my singers. 
to sing less pop and to try to gain some the ability to sing in a very in a traditional way. Okay. Yeah. Like how they position their. So is it a lot of like stressing like certain vowel placements and the, just the way you all tackle diction? Is that kind of where you all lean more in, into? Yeah, that? that like when you sing pop, it's very forward. Yeah, but then it, for some of those songs it requires a lot of space too in order to you know create this spacey sound in the song right yeah. right to give it a certain texture and a certain feeling for sure yeah but then sometimes i think the singers they have to you know change back and forth mm -hmm. in terms of their singing technique mm -hmm. to sing such a <laughs> so, so you're saying vocal novo has to be very flexible when it comes to performing a lot of what you, you all do i hope we can be flexible right I right mean, that's the and, goal and something else as we we're discussing this it made me yeah. think of something else i saw you on, on you all's website and i think it was words that I think you Pant, mentioned this idea of the group is there to create music which brings visual imagination to the audience. What what is visual imagination to you? Because I feel like I'm picking up on it a little bit, but what in your own words, what does it mean? Yeah, well, I think it's for example, there is a song called Under the Tong Flower Tree or the Tong Blossom Tree. So in Taiwan, every spring, there is a kind of tree that they would grow this really beautiful white flowers. And then as the wind blows, all these flowers, they will fall down. And so this song was about this. And under the tree, there is an old man talking about, you know, the, the story happening in this village, you know, uh, and all the clothes he makes. And so many girls have worn those clothes that he made. And so what I did in the arrangement, so we have five voices. I have the upper four voices just doing random diatonic scale notes, pitches, notes. And I have the bass singers sing the main melody so in a way i mean on the score you will see okay the upper four voices is like the flowers you know just randomly randomly coming out and then disappear and then the bass singer is the guy under the tree talking the stories yeah so visually on the score you see that but somehow when the audience they listen to the song they can really hear it and when they hear it it automatically translate into an image in their head and they immediately feel see this image and although i mean we've sung this song in europe in the states and everyone was telling us that is a very beautiful song beautiful image yeah i think just listening that is probably one of the most just effective use of storytelling in terms of arrangement i think i've heard and the way that you kind of crafted that and i can see how an audience would be able to easily connect with that and that's i'm processing all that because my mind is blown just listening to that i'm like i'm going to go listen to that song after this is over because that's incredible oh my gosh but i get it i get what vocal nova is trying to do and i think you guys are doing that yeah it's amazing yeah, and yeah. then in recent years we started to incorporate native tribal music and uh, rearrange it into acapella. Oh, so that's so and we're getting dangerously close to our next commercial break but i do want to ask this just hearing all of the things that you guys have put together and 
the work that Vocal Novo has done. You know, what are some things that Vocal Novo, I guess, is working towards or hoping to accomplish over the next year or two? Are you guys planning for anything? Yeah, we would like to turn the chapel project into an album. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to work. But we've tried several times and we ran into some difficulties, challenges, but hopefully we'll get to fix that and then get this album done. I can't wait. I'll be one of the first people to buy that album as soon as it's released. <laughs> no, you, you can, don't have to buy it. I send one to you. Oh, you said, oh, oh well, thank you. Oh my goodness. I really appreciate yeah. that. That is so great. And with that, listeners, we do have to take our next commercial break, but I hope you are feeling something incredible as I'm feeling just listening to the way Vocal Novo and Christine have just approached music. Like I said, I love this art form because there are so many groups who do something drastically different than what you expect. And I think Vocal Novo just listening to the way they they just tackle music and approach it is just evidence of there are so many incredible things that come out of this genre and out of this community and you have to go out there and just find it and embrace it and you will love it for sure and we are going to take one more commercial break but come right back because we have some fun in store for our guest christine with our final segment that you won't want to miss right here on Talkapella. every week for an hour we turn over the airwaves to the craziest people around our listeners fortunately they also have the best taste hear it all each week on the requests and dedications hour you pick tunes in the app or on the website and we play them every thursday at 9 p.m east 6 p.m west and again, Sunday at 2 p.m. East, 11 a.m. West. Around the world, catch it Saturdays at noon London time, 8 p.m. Tokyo time. We'll be playing the tunes you pick and having a great time doing it. And we are back on Talkapella. We've been speaking with Christine Leo from Vocal Asia Festival mm-hmm. as well as... Mm-hmm. Vocal Novo and boy if you missed that last segment I'm going to tell you I'm going to require that you go back and listen to that because there was so much in there that you're going to want to hear over and over again and for artists whether you're a musician or vocalist or if whether you draw (laughs) you are going to love something that came out of that final segment that we just did with Christine because boy they are doing some really cool creative inventive stuff with Vocal Novo and you you're going to love it. I can't think of any other word other than love it. But with that, we are going to transition to one of our favorite segments here on Talkapella. We are going to do a round of rapid fire questions. We've got 10 questions for Christine. We're hoping to catch her off guard. And like I said, they're harmless, okay. but they're all in good fun. And it's just to learn more about you. Yeah. So, Christine, are you ready for rapid fire? Okay, yes. I love that. I love the response. All right, here we go. <laughs> First question. What is your favorite activity outside of acapella? Netflix. Oh, I love it. Okay, follow-up question. What's your favorite Netflix show? <laughs> huh, I like Sherlock Holmes. Ooh, okay. Great choice. From England. With the Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes. Yes, great yes. show. I love it. I, could, I couldn't stop. <laughs> Even though I was like, it was my bedtime, yeah. I just couldn't stop. Right. We've all been there losing so much sleep because of Netflix. Awesome. So, yeah. next question. Who is your ultimate dinner party dinner. guest, dead uh, or alive? My fiancé. That works. Good answer. That's a really good answer. I like it. Next question. Where is the best attraction or place to visit in Taiwan? Oh, the East Coast. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Did, did a particular place come to mind? The East Coast, uh, a city called Taidong. Okay. It's, 
it's very remote. It's got beautiful coastline and mountain. A lot of Aboriginal tribes、mm-hmm. are there, and yeah, I love it. Adding it to the list. All right, next question. All right, here. Ooh, this is going. Who is the best cook in Boko Novo? Oh my God, maybe that's something we should do next time we cook <laughs> to each other, cook for each、yeah. other, because I have no idea to be honest. <laughs> yes. Really? Have you guys never got together to just a home cooked、uh, meal together? Actually, we've gone through several members' transitions, and the members right now we haven't done this. So、Ooh. because of you, I will bring that up, and we will、okay. do that. Yeah. Perfect. And next time, ask me this question. I will answer it right away. <laughs> All right. Next time you're on the show, I'm, I'm going to ask about that dinner. So be ready. Okay. All right. Next question. If you could create a national holiday, what would it be? National Acapella Day. Oh, okay. Great, great choice. You know, I'm not going to argue <laughs> about that. Perfect. Great answer. What is your favorite Voco Novo track to perform? Oh my God, there are so many. <laughs> one of your favorite. Okay, I would say one of the songs from our last album or EP.、Mm-hmm. It's called D A L A N.、Okay. It's a, a song from Binu Yumayan tribe in Taiwan, and it's just so much energy, and I love it. Great, great. All right, probably our most controversial question on rapid fire questions: cats or dogs? Dogs. Yes. All right. You hear that, Alicia? We have a dog lover here. <laughs> Sorry, my co-host loves cats, and she's always hoping our guests say cats. Oh, it's all right. Oh, it's I'm、okay. sorry. Dog. But still, dog. All right. If you can travel the world for three months and take any three people with you, where are you going, and who are you bringing? Oh my God, I want to go to Africa.、Okay. It's a continent I haven't been, but I don't know which. Country will, will be nice.、Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't know much about Africa. And the three person, I think my sister definitely, and、okay. my fiance definitely, and the last person, oh,、okay. my brother-in-law. <laughs> I think my sister won't be going、right. with me without her husband. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> awesome. All right. What is your all-time favorite movie? Love Actually. Really? Oh, okay. I've actually yeah, seen that movie. Well,、yeah. also another one that's pretty close. Five Hundred Days of Summer. Good choice. Good choice. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love it. All right. Final question. If you had a garden that could grow anything, and I mean anything, what three things would you want it to grow? Well, first of all, it depends on where the garden. <laughs> important.、Is. Very important. <laughs> I wanna grow mango because I love mango and. I think、okay. I want to grow apples because apples are healthy, and I don't want to. <laughs> I would have thought of that. Good choice. I try to be healthy, but oh really? <laughs> I think some flowers would be nice, but I don't know their names. I mean, like their names、mm-hmm. in English. You say yeah. Awesome. All right, mangoes, apples, and some flowers. Great choice. All right. Well, that is our round of rapid fire questions. As mentioned, very harmless, but I think we got to learn so much about Christine. <laughs> Great choices. Thank you.、Brian. Oh, of course. And so we always like to wrap up the show with offering our listeners something that they can take away with them, and we do that in the form of offering some advice. So, Christine, we're going to pose a question to you. If you could offer our listeners some advice、uh, about anything that's been on your mind, what would you say to them? I think treat the earth nicely. Yeah, less、mm-hmm. plastic, and yeah. I like that. I think that's the first time we've ever had like an eco-friendly answer on the show. So that is great. Yes. Really? 
I can't I, believe hey, that. I know we get very like focused and singular minded, but that was great. We needed that because there people aren't taking care of the earth. I think, I mean, the planet is the most important. Otherwise, if we don't take care of the planet, there's exactly. nothing else we That's can talk about. That's a good point. About. You heard it right there, listeners. That's the most important thing. Get to taking care of this earth. Make it better for the generations to come. Wonderful. <laughs> Christine, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, learn more about Vocal Novo, learn more about the Vocal Asia Festival, where could they go for information? Yep. For Vocal Novo, you can go to our website. It's www.voconovo.tw. If you want to apply for the Vocal Asia Festival or in the next years, you can go to vaf.vocalasia.com. And if you want to apply for this year's virtual festival, just make sure you write us an email and then we will get you through. Awesome. That email is on you all's website, correct? Yes. Great. And so listeners, as you heard right there from Christine, there's still time to be a part of this year's festival. So don't hesitate. As we've discussed throughout this entire show, there's so much that you can get from this event and you won't want to miss it for sure. Outside of that, listeners, as always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And be sure to go check out Tacapella's Twitter account at Tacapella, two P's, two L's. And check out our website at tacapella.org for previous episodes. As always, we want to thank Acaville Radio. They are an incredible platform and they've given us the opportunity to speak with so many incredible guests such as Christine and so many others. And we can't thank them enough. We want to thank Christine Leo from Vocal Asia Festival and Vocal Nova for coming on today's episode. As mentioned, man, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. You've been just a breath of fresh air. We've learned so much from you, learned so much about what you're doing. And we thank you so much for continuing to just foster acapella and it's such an incredible part of the world and we just thank you for sharing your love and your talents with us today thank you thank you of course well listeners that's going to do it for today's episode for everything else stay tuned